The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You know, as preamble to almost everything that we that we write in, into script form, it first starts with the short story. And that is just how we better understand. We love, we're both voracious readers and love books and love short stories. So we wrote Antebellum as a short story first um, and then wrote the script because that's just our, that's just our way in. Greetings, scribes. You are tuned back into the Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you positivity, productivity, and prosperity per usual. And this week, writer-director duo and activists Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, aka Bush and Renz, took a time out to chat with me about storytelling to amplify social justice, hanging out with Jay-Z, and why you need to have the stamina to make it. The duo has been together for 12 years and got their start in advertising in Miami. After losing the taste for producing champagne commercials, they pivoted to their passion for telling powerful stories of the disenfranchised, marginalized, and underrepresented. After their police brutality PSA Against the Wall, starring Michael B. Jordan, went viral, their paths shifted toward Hollywood. Their chart-topping, timely debut feature is Antebellum, starring Janelle Monet, newly available on Hulu, a psychological thriller showcasing the stark reality of being black in America. Variety named the film a top 10 best film of 2020 and called it a wickedly effective horror movie metaphor for white supremacy's enduring grip on American society. Bush and Renz's mission is to amplify weighty social justice issues, including climate change, LGBTQ and women's equality, voter suppression, mass incarceration, and more. In this file, Bush and Renz and I talked about their unique perspectives and how they came to work in politics and social justice. How Antebellum began as a short story, the exhaustive research that went into their first film and the prescience that made them believers, what it's like to be tapped by HBO, and more. Stay safe and stay sane out there. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, we're rolling on the Writer Files and I am thrilled today to be joined by some very special guests. I've got the screenwriter, director, activist duo, Bush and Renz, and of course, uh, who I'm referring to here is Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz. How are you today, guys? Oh, we're doing we're doing pretty good. It's nice and, and sunny, and and we're thankful for that. How are you? You know, surviving, surviving the uh, 
blustery mountains here in Denver. But um, yeah, I understand you guys are uh, still kind of on lockdown there in LA because you're in LA County, right? Yeah, we're um, we're in LA County proper, and um, you know the the COVID rates, unfortunately, here just you know I don't we don't actually we suspect where it was coming from because a couple months back what sounded like a concert like a stadium concert right down the hill from where we live and i was looking off the balcony trying to figure out where it was coming from hmm. and it was like a it had to have been a 2000 person wedding oh my um, god and so i think like people have been doing things at their houses or like airbnbs that they you know the city has advised them or it's not you're not supposed to do that at all but anyway yeah. we've just been trying to like um, keep our spirits up. We're, we're really, you know, uh, grateful to have a roof over our heads and there are a lot of people suffering at this time. So we don't have anything to complain about. And, um, Christopher, is that your voice that I'm hearing? No, that's, that was me. That was Gerard. Okay. Gerard. Okay. Thanks Gerard. This is me. This is (laughs) Christopher. We we're getting you in, uh, in stereo here. So, um, yeah, thanks guys for doing this. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to talk about your fantastic uh, debut and then um, kind of all the things, writing things you got in the pipeline. But before we dig into Antebellum, let's talk about your superhero uh, origin story kind of as a, as a duo and, and kind of some of the, some of your earlier work and, you know, kind of just more of the kind of social justice piece that you all are kind of deeply, deeply uh, committed to. Yeah, um, yeah, glad to to chat about it. I mean, we've we've been together for twelve plus years now, and we met in Miami. And at that time, I think it was like three days, four days um, into hanging out, we came up with this idea about an alien story, and and C Christopher, I call him C, said like let's go back to your place and write it. And, and we did, and we thought it was pretty good. Um, but, and we wanted to make a film of it. We had all these ideas, but we looked at each other and said, you know, I don't think that it's realistic that we're going to pack up all of our stuff on a wing and and a prayer. And we've only just met and moved to Los Angeles and like make (laughs) it happen. Um, so we were, we're both pretty, uh, pragmatic people. Um, all, albeit, Sometimes we are overly optimistic where we shouldn't be. And I guess sometimes what we're thinking or what we're hoping catches up to the vision (laughs) of that optimism. Hmm. But um, yeah, we, we, at that point said, look, you know, this was in the middle of a, of the economic implosion of like 2007, 2008. And we said, let's start our own shop. Uh, because a lot of the other agency advertising agencies, because that was our business, were not, you know, really focused on digital and social nearly as much as we saw where where the opportunity was. So we started our our little shop, and and um, at the time, you know, so many people were underwater with their condos and investments, and this this gentleman rented us a hotel room that was right on the beach on Ocean Drive for pennies on the dollar. Like, I mean, it it made us look like we were super legit when we really didn't have (laughs) anything. Um, but for the first year and a half or so, we really couldn't give ourselves away. Um, and we just 
kept at it and kept at it. Christopher still um, held on to his full-time job at Crispin Porter Bogusky, which at the time was still the hottest advertising shop in the country. Um, and he had survived layoff after layoff. And, and so we were grateful that I could try to keep the ship afloat um, during the day while he was working and then moonlighting at night um, no. with the shop. So then uh, we eventually signed uh, some pretty prestigious luxury clients um, and that was great. But, uh, you know, we had to hire and we started building this whole thing out and, and I was growing increasingly sort of, um, I don't know if despondent is the right word, but I was definitely disenchanted with mm -hmm. all of it. And I didn't want to sell champagne for the rest of my life. And I said to, I said to Christopher, like, I think, you know, we've lost the idea of what our original tenant was in, in this, in this union, in doing this work, which was to, um, you know, tell stories that could really amplify a whole host of, of issues that are really important in the world. And we're, you know, it's great that we've got Harry Winston and Vogue and all of these things, but that's not what we set out to do. Uh, and Christopher said, you know what? I feel the same way. And, and, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about it. Let's just figure what we can do next to really go back to what we originally set out um, to do. So then we had a connection that introduced us to Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was at the time the head of the DNC and she spent mm -hmm. several hours with us in our office. Um, and, you know, we said we'd like to lend our, our, our talent. I mean, not to um, our, our resources. I don't want to sound self <laughs> um, lend our, our, our resources to, you know, trying to, to help you in any way that we can. And she needed help and the DNC needed help activating black voters in the midterm elections in Florida. Uh, Trayvon Martin had been murdered. Uh, at the hands of that vigilante, um, which I don't speak his name. Uh, and then, you know, we we put together a whole campaign that looked like H&M ads uh, with this beautiful little kid in a bulletproof vest all over Florida um, with mm -hmm. an accompanying video. And Young Turks picked it up, then CNN, then MSNBC, and it went viral. And we had the NRA picketing underneath our, our billboards. And it was, you know, really controversial and provocative. And that was the point, uh, that you shouldn't have to buy your kid a bulletproof vest to go to school and protect them from the very people that are meant to protect and serve us. Uh, and then after Mr. Harry Belafonte called, which was really um, a seminal moment for us as a duo in terms of the trajectory of where we were going. And mm -hmm. he said, look, I don't have a lot of, you know, this is a nonprofit. I don't have unlimited, you know, financial resources, but I definitely want you guys to do a PSA for us. You can write and create anything you want. I have enough to fly you and a small crew to Atlanta. Um, and then you'll have access to several high profile people if they're willing to participate in it. And we said, okay. So we went to Atlanta, um, Michael B. Jordan and Danny Glover and you know, all of these people were so lovely um, wow. and, and agreeing to lend their talent to this P PSA that we did. And we didn't want to do sort of a typical PSA. You know, we had written something where we wanted to, to pluck the empathetic cord in people looking at uh, folks that they celebrated and respected um, in the exact same positions of those everyday Black Americans who were being murdered um, and brutalized at the hands of certain police officers. So. Yeah. 
that went viral. Um, but that went viral in a way that we really hadn't expected that it would. And, and, um, the Hollywood Reporter, we're living in Miami, but at, you know, still, um, the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and all of these people, because of, of the actors that were involved in it and Harry Belafonte, it got a lot of traction and, and, um, people out here were kind of asking like, who are these guys? Hmm. And, um, uh, from there we were called by Shaka Pilgrim, who was then, uh, the president of rock nation. And she said, uh, that she'd like to get us out to LA and if we could be there in two days. And she really didn't get into a lot of detail as to why, but we said, okay. Um, and we flew to LA and we kind of kicked around all day, uh, waiting for her call to tell us what to do next. Um, and then she sent us an address cause we had a red eye flying back to Miami that night. So we really needed to get this meeting over with whatever it was going to be. So mm -hmm. we went to this location in Hollywood that she had for us. We waited another 45 minutes and then she brought us into a room and Jay-Z was sitting there waiting for us. And then he gets up and says, you know, hey, Gerard and Chris, big fan. I'm going to run to the bathroom and then we can talk. And Chris and I are like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what? what is this? And, uh, and, and uh, we, we just were not prepared uh, for that at all. Um, and then, you know, Jay is just the warmest not i mean i i we can't say enough about him because he's he's just a, a genius but also um very quiet um very reserved very thoughtful um he really looks at you when you talk to him um and hmm. he really uh is listening and then he played us his entire 444 album and before it came out and anyway make a wow. long story bearable. Uh, <laughs> uh, we ended up, you know, he invited us to work on 444, the album um, yeah. visuals. And so we did that. Um, and then we decided now is the time that, you know, after nine and a half years together at that point, let's pull the trigger and make this move to Los Angeles. And so that's, that's what happened. And we moved to LA mm -hmm. and, and um, within a year and a half, we had our first we were we were shooting our first movie crazy and that first movie is antebellum yep antebellum and just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive writer files patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews a writer's happy hour bonus breakdowns and a lot more i know that for serious writers it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise stay productive and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Antebellum is, uh, man, it is uh, powerful and it makes a pretty, pretty impactful statement, I think. How prescient do you feel that the film is today? Like if we had had this interview a week ago or two weeks ago, it probably would be, it would have been a different answer, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, neither Christopher or, nor myself uh, would would say that we're we're new age or necessarily religious. I was raised Catholic um, and went to Catholic school, but I, I'm not a practicing Catholic. But we started to to realize that there that there's so much w- more to the world than what you can see and feel, and that there's some there's something else going on if you if you really tune into the promptings and and experience the world beyond you know, the five senses. And so I think, no, we had no idea that the movie was going to prove as prescient as it was, you know, in September. And then now almost prophetic, um, you know, today with, with the Capitol. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think because of what we were seeing on the ground, what we were hearing um, even 10 years ago, we felt like the country was going in this direction. And I think that people had been sedated into believing in the Obama years that the country had moved so beyond um, our, our origins of, of, of r- gross racial inequity and inequality, and m- most specifically as it relates to Black people. Um, we didn't believe that, and we saw it and felt it and heard it on the ground in the work that we were doing in politics, in the work that we were doing in social justice. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's sad that we're at this place where there are so many different Americas and different perspectives and views of America that have taken us away from our shared values. And I think, and Christopher thinks, that that may very well have to do with the X factor of social media, a, a new technology at the time and now um, that has helped greatly um, metastasize uh, this this collective psychopathy at a pace that none of us could have expected. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty profound. And I think you know, I guess when you think about you know films like or documentaries like The Social Dilemma, Mm -hmm. which kind of does a very good job of describing kind of these filter bubbles that we have all come to kind of live in, right? Um, That uh, something like the, (laughs) something uh, like utterly, you you couldn't imagine what happened with the, you know, I guess we're calling it the insurrection or the, the assault on the Capitol here in the United States, that you know, these scenes that were unfolding were just not something that I don't think the collective or that our collective kind of 
awareness could process right away because it's like, oh, holy shit. Uh, (laughs) Like these people, they're out there and, and proudly waving the Confederate flag in, you know, yeah, we've always thought that the most horrific aspect of Antebellum, the the story and the, the the film, is its plausibility. And unfortunately, yeah. with all these events, it just it, it doesn't seem that out of the realm. I think what a lot of people missed with what happened um, at the Capitol, uh, which I think is is most definitely um, at the same sort of horrific standard if we can call it that is 9-11 it was really that disturbing to watch unfold christopher mm-hmm. and i were watching just to see ted cruz and josh hawley with their objections against mm-hmm. um you know the, the the vote of the people um mm-hmm. just like everybody else we did not have uh, the foggiest idea that that something so horrific was was unfolding and that the the president of the united states was was igniting um, an insurrection in real time. But what we know is that once Obama was elected for a certain type of white American, they felt that there, if they had nothing else, if they were, if they were, if they were poor or lower middle class or didn't have the same education or what they felt like were the same opportunities, the thing that they did have was they were white and and to be white meant something to them and meant something within this country and gave them a certain privilege that superseded anyone else regardless of their education or socioeconomic background just on the basis of their whiteness that they were ahead and when they felt that was slipping through their fingers that the currency of whiteness was being devalued, that is what sent them into a tailspin. It is not just economics. It is about their need for us to be black so they can be white. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's important. So, you know, kind of looking at, at Antebellum, the film, and kind of getting a little, going a little meta on this one because... Obviously, you wrote the film quite a while ago, and I want to talk about that process. But when you were writing the movie, you know, I don't, we're not going to do any spoilers on this show because if if listeners haven't seen Antebellum, do find it um, streaming wherever fine premium films are streamed presently. Um, but the kind of talk about because you have imprinted into the message of the main character who um, is also a you know a lauded sociologist, best selling author whose books explore disenfranchisement, right, Mm -hmm. Um, of black people that um, you kind of have written within the meta pieces that, you know, she's talking about kind of this roadmap to revolution for marginalized communities. Yeah, talk about, kind of talk about the writing of the film prior, you know, prior to the production stuff, kind of what, what what the message was that you were going for there and then kind of the meta piece, kind of, you know, like how it's, (laughs) <laughs> how it's all unfolded is, is very interesting. You know, we thought um, as first of all, you know, as preamble to almost everything that we that we write in, into script form, it first starts with the short story. And that is just how we better understand. We love we're both voracious readers and love books and love short stories. So we wrote Antebellum as a short story first um, and then wrote the script because that's just mm. our that's just our way in. 
but as we were were writing it, the script anyway, you know, we thought about like even if I look at CNN today and I see Abby Phillip, or I see Joanne Reed, or I see you know, um, there are so many extraordinary black women that um, I think when I was when Chris and I would would read some of the, the gutter comments um, on Twitter as it hmm. relates to, you know, the insult that certain white people would feel in a black woman like an Abby Phillip having the audacity to be so poised and so educated and so direct um, in her eloquence in describing um, what she was seeing um, as a journalist and as a, as a thought leader. And, mm-hmm. and for us, uh, you know, even if you look back to some of the things, the awful things that were said about Michelle Obama by these people, you know, there was a there was a fantasy of of subjugation, of bringing them down a notch, of making them, you know, putting them back in their place, if you will. Um, and that was one of the reasons that, you know, when you think about Antebellum and as we were writing it with with how quiet, you know, you have to be on um the plantation as a as a kidnapped uh, enslaved person that that no one you know these people don't want to be reminded of your education or your position they want they want you to be like the great Toni Morrison said if, if in order for you to stand tall I have to be on my knees there is something very wrong with you and that is at the heart of what um, we're really exploring one of the main components aspects of what we are exploring with with antebellum uh the coping persona and you know and this woman who has written this book um as a roadmap to revolution uh in saying that it's like a stacy abrams we are the future our time is now we wrote that uh, oh my god years ago and mm-hmm. now stacy abrams that's the name of her book our time is now that's Crazy. how Things started to just unfold and become and and the and what was written then started to match what was happening now. So I I, I can't explain exactly how it unfolded in the way that it <laughs> did. It just you know that for whatever sort of reason that became our focus. Amazing, yeah. And I'll just mention uh, this incredible cast. Um, of course, Antebellum stars Janelle Monae, uh, the truly talented. Janelle Monet as a modern-day author transported back into the 19th century as a slave in the southern United States, come face-to-face with her ancestors and Bates questions around fate. Of course, I want to talk a little bit, if we can, just about your influences. But um, I, And there was one, one line that really stood out to me. And, of course, uh, Jack Houston is, is a fantastic uh, actor as well. I didn't, I didn't mention the entire cast, but, but you got Jack Houston, Jenna Maloney, and a lot of other incredible, incredible actors. But uh, this one line, the ballot box won't go our way. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to do any spoilers. <laughs> but I mean, like what the, like, I'm just listening to this and watching this film, obviously, and, and just enraptured by the kind of everything, you know, just like the payoff and, and just the uh, everything about the, the film is truly, truly fantastic. The ballot box will go away. The courts will follow. What, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? When we, the... wrote, when we wrote that line, like at the time, I mean, I, I, again, like I can't, we can't explain it. 
but it's the timing is really that's what I mean when I was saying at the earlier in our conversation, you know, where we didn't necessarily believe certain things. Now we, you know, we are more inclined to believe in in that there is the possibility that there's something else at play, you know. Amazing. Um, well, okay, so let's talk about your your um, filmic kind of um, DNA, and you know, I got pieces of uh, you know Stanley Kubrick and <laughs> you know some Shining stuff there. Yep. Big fan, but then uh, you know. It's, some Jordan Peele, of course, hard to miss that. But then, um, yeah, talk talk some about, you know, I I hope you haven't been compared to Quentin Tarantino. No, um, I but mean, there's like, there's some some in some ways he couldn't. You can't help but be influenced some somewhat you have by that. To be. I mean, first first for, you know Quentin Tarantino for us, like I just think he's we think he's brilliant, and we love the fact that he is you know from day one um, exciting and daring and singular. And, um, you know, for us, we look at, you know, we love so many films to come out of that seventies, early eighties canon. Um, uh, we love invasion of the body snatchers. We love, um, you know, looking for Mr. Goodbar to, um, (laughs) ordinary people to, uh, we're, it's, it's, we like, uh, real character driven, uh, films, but at the same time, uh, Stanley Kubrick. I mean, I think Christopher and I have watched Eyes Wide Shut maybe thirty times. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, definitely our Christmas movie. It's our Christmas movie. <laughs> you know, we watch it. Like, <laughs> we love it. But you know, I think that that for us, it's all about not necessarily like taking all of those influences on a subconscious level that really seep into you know, who you are as an artist, um, and who we are as a, as a unit, as a, as a, as a duo, but trusting yourself and trusting your own instincts and your own choices. Because I think that the movie going audience deserves to have something that feels unique to the filmmaker when we're at a time that so much has been homogenized and it all feels recycled or, or some version of the same thing. And Mm -hmm. as, as, film fanatics, you know, we're always looking at and toward, uh, filmmakers that, that are doing something that feels really unique to them. And Quentin Tarantino most certainly would be, uh, a di- director that we, a living director that we count among our favorites. We found out afterwards that Janelle has a song called Django Jane, which we didn't know. About. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also, unbeknownst to us at the time, you know, the, the plantation that we picked, to shoot the film is where Django was filmed. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Um, well, I know we got a wrap here, um, shortly and I'm sure I could pick your brain all day long, but, um, yeah, before we kind of wrap up with just any wisdom you have for, uh, kind of aspiring scribes or screenwriters who might not have the kind of level of access that you have, um, on just how to, how to keep, uh, keep their chins up and how to keep going. Um, I will just mention the film one more time. Antebellum is uh, incredibly timely. <laughs> go go watch it and tell me it's not. <laughs> My Lord. Uh, this movie is fantastic. And uh, congratulations on the work, gentlemen. Um, what are you? What is next for you? I understand that you've got a bunch of irons in the fire. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we've been spending all this lockdown quarantine time writing mm. throughout 2020. We were 
blessed to be able to write and sell our next film and TV show in 2020. Oh, wow. And so Rapture is up next, which is also will also be with Lionsgate. Yeah. Should be going into pre-production imminently. Imminently, you know, as soon as everything becomes a little fingers crossed virus, yeah. But uh, yeah. that one, you know, we continue to tackle uh, issues, and and that's kind of about the the weaponization of organized religion as well as hmm. the state of the environment. And then uh, Inkwell with HBO, which we was actually the first thing that we wrote when we came out here. Yeah, we always wanted to to write a. Um... A, a television series for HBO. Um, and so we didn't even, you know, everything else that we've done, you know, our, our team would send it out and we would, you know, there would be a lot of, of suitors would be open to multiple networks. But in this case, we were really specific in wanting HBO max. We just, we wanted, we felt like they are going to be doing some exciting, exciting stuff in the very near future. Mm-hmm. And so we just went directly to them with the show they fell in love with it they are really excited and we're super we're thrilled to be partnering with with hbo and hbo max on our our first television series um so i cool. would i would say um segueing back to your original question about just scribes and keeping your chin up you know in the the beginning years and the genesis of, of of christopher and i and our time together um it was incredibly difficult it was incredibly challenging financially um uh creatively and and that i think really helped to shape who we are as as artists i think that you always have to remember even when it feels really dark that the writing that you're doing and what you're trying to put together may very well have a tremendous impact on the way that all of us are thinking about you know, any sort of specific issue. And it doesn't have to be like in our case um, where we tackle the environment and social justice and, you know, want to amplify a whole host of issues. We're also really obsessed with aliens. So there'd definitely be something we write about. But, um, but I think that that it's important um, to, to remember that with all the talent in the world, it means nothing if it is not in combination with stamina. You've got to have the stamina, like, you know, when I taught at Miami ad school years ago, I would tell the students that, you know, it's not that you just run down 10 miles, um, down a hill and then up another hill. It's that you run up another hill and then through a mountain range and then down a coast and then, you know, um, uh, uh, scale a building and you have to have the stamina to see that through. There are so many talented, extraordinarily talented people that the the one ingredient that's probably of of equal, if not more importance, is your determination to stay in it and to keep writing and to keep trying. Yeah, I think that's fantastic wisdom and a great place to wrap up. Thank you to you both for taking the time to do this today from social justice to aliens i can't wait <laughs> for all of it um yeah so keep us keep us in the loop but um yeah congrats congratulations on uh all of your work it, it really is important thank you very much we had such such a good time talking with you today thank you for you know like i said we were famished to have conversations with other people so <laughs> real people real people this was really great thank you so much hey it was truly a pleasure and please come back again thanks absolutely thank you 
Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.